Welcome all sports fans. On this podcast, no sport is left behind. I'm Justin Williams. I'm Coberta Ron, and this is our brother from Down Under, me Wallace Bruce. We are the Pro Sports Podcasters, filling you in on the latest news from the world of sports. Welcome back to the Pro Sports Podcasters. I'm your host, Nee, Nee Wallace Bruce, and I am very excited today because we are running through some gymnastics, artistic gymnastics, in fact. And I am joined by a competitor who's gone to Tokyo. Her name is Danusha Francis. She is representing Jamaica. Danusha, how's it going? It's going well. Hi, Nee. Thank you so much for having me. No worries at all. Now, let's take it back to where it all started. How did you get into gymnastics or well, where was the where did the fire start burning for that so I was five years old and along with my two siblings my mum took us to an after-school club and it was there where I kind of saw gymnasts they probably weren't even doing that high level skills because it was just literally in a school hall but to me it was like incredible and I was like wow and that was it from that day forward I was obsessed with the sport and um safe to say I still am <laughs> No doubt about it, uh, and yeah, it's not just an obsession; it's a, it's an ambition, it's a success. From what we've seen, you were you went to UCLA in California, and you became a national champion in gymnastics, right? Yeah, UCLA was the most incredible experience. I didn't really know what to expect. I think I was kind of there when social media was taking off. And so now I think people have got a lot more access. They can really see how college sports is run. But before that, as an international athlete over there in the US, um, I didn't really know what to expect apart from a couple of friends that were there and were saying they loved it and that I would love it. So I went on my recruit trip and that was when I did fall in love with it. But actually being there, it was just unbelievable. It's everything and more that you could think of. Um, Hard work and a busy, busy schedule, but just so rewarding and yeah, like you said, I became the NCAA balance beam champion in my senior year. So that just kind of was a cherry on top of four amazing years. No doubt about it. Now, if I'm not mistaken, the balance beam is your favorite apparatus. What made you gravitate towards that particular apparatus over other um, gymnastics apparatus? Growing up, it wasn't my favorite one. Um, and I was quite nervous at first when I started to learn harder skills on the balance beam. And then I don't know exactly when or why, but it just clicked one day. And suddenly that fear that I'd had as a younger gymnast, um, I kind of was just able to look at it more logically and kind of my sense of awareness on the beam really just developed and my balance in my teenage years just progressed to a point where beam became the easiest one for me and my best one. Um, Yeah, and I've got my signature move on there that I developed at UCLA, and I'll be taking it with me to Tokyo. Fantastic. And for our listeners, I can advise that Danusha did actually score a perfect 10 on the balance beam while at UCLA, so definitely check that video out on YouTube if you, if you haven't already. Now, the, the the UCLA win was a peak in a way, but it was preceded by some troughs, if, if you will. There were some near misses when you were representing Team GB. How did you overcome that adversity? 
Yeah, um, there's a couple of times in my career where I was reserve and I think that's such a, it's still an achievement but it's a very hard position because you've worked just as hard as the people that get to be on that competition floor but you just don't quite get to have your moment. But at the same time, you have to continue to be ready to compete at any time. But mentally, it's like you're obviously a bit upset. And um, I think for me, I have always had really, really great people around me, my mum especially. Um, I always talk about her in interviews, but she has honestly always just been there for me. And she's always just, I know it's, it might sound a bit obvious, but she's made it clear to me that my gymnastics results aren't why she loves me <laughs> and um, I would say same thing with my coaches as well um, anytime there has been a bad or not even necessarily bad result but a disappointing result um, same thing it's not like they've ever told me off or made me feel that I wasn't good enough um, they've always just valued me as a person before an athlete and I think that as a support system around me has enabled me to carry on through these harder times yeah just on the point of harder times the last 12 to 15 months must have been a, a next level challenge because the olympics were scheduled for 2020 as we know but then towards the, the back end the ioc opted to postpone it for a year well that must have been a a level of disappointment right yeah definitely i remember sort of at the beginning of the proper lockdown in the UK which was March um, and just really thinking oh my gosh after all this time and we were only April, May, June, July four months away at that point so I was really sort of gearing up to get into that key part of my preparation starting to get ready to compete um, and then to then be told it might be cancelled that was a really really hard thing to get my head around and then when it was called that it was postponed I just kind of had to adjust my mindset and I think I was able to do that and actually this last year has gone quite quick um, but it's, there's definitely been ups and downs and I think especially in the media there's a negative story every day about the Olympics and the Japanese public obviously isn't super happy about it so there is something negative every day and so it's just kind of trying to block that out a bit not read into it too much and just try to focus on again like what I can control Mm, that's very important, focusing on what you can control. And I'm sure right now it's just focus on getting to Tokyo and then getting to the competition and everything else is just noise. Yeah. You've opted to represent Jamaica. What was the inspiration behind that? Yeah, so when I was at UCLA, I um, was deciding that I wanted to compete internationally again. And it wasn't really feasible with Great Britain because... They're a competitive team and I would have to travel back to the UK for trials and for camps and obviously that's very costly and then I wasn't sure if I would really have the time in my schedule. So I was looking into my options, I'm half Polish and I'm half Jamaican. Um, and when I was thinking about which team I wanted to represent, I just felt like I really fitted the Jamaican team just the charisma and the fun that they bring to sports. I really wanted to be a part of that and I felt like that is kind of how I've always been myself as an athlete. Mm. Um, and the second part of that was Usain Bolt is my idol. So I was just super happy that I could get the opportunity to be on his team. There we go. Shout out to Usain Bolt. <laughs> this 
the lightning bolt. Now, you compete in women's artistic gymnastics. Just for our listeners, can you help us to understand the difference between artistic gymnastics and, let's say, rhythmic gymnastics? Yeah, so artistic gymnastics is all the apparatus. So for women, that is the vault, the bars, the beam and the floor. Whereas in rhythmic gymnastics, they have their apparatus in their hands. So it could be a ribbon or a hoop or a ball or clubs. And then they just perform their routines on the floor. Ah, nice. I learned something. I learned something new every day. <laughs> now, is it true, Danusha, that you are also a stunt person? It is true, yeah. I've been lucky enough to do some stunt work. Right, and a little bird told me that you did some stunt work for Rita Ora. <laughs> well, you jumped into Yeah. Tell us about that. Yeah, so um, that was when I first got back, really, from America after graduating. And um, I got to, she was hosting the MTV EMAs, and then they wanted her to flip into a car. So the car they got actually was a bit too small to actually land in. So they had to just place it really specifically, and I had to land on a specific point and do like a round off into a somersault with a twist um but wearing this incredible dress that was like floor length and probably cost a lot <laughs> mm. and yeah that was my first um stunt job amazing yeah i've seen some sets where stunt operators are in action and mad respect for that because it's not easy <laughs> it's just, it's a touch risky but if you can pull it off more power to you <laughs> Yes, so far I've done nothing too crazy, but I've got some friends obviously in the industry and they've done some really hardcore stunts. Mm. Nice. Now let me ask you this, because you mentioned that you're inspired by Usain Bolt to represent Jamaica, and I guess watching previous Olympics would have got you into gymnastics. How important is it for yourself to be a representative or an inspiration for the next generation? The, the idea of if someone can see it, they can be it. Yeah, super important. Gymnastics is a really new sport in Jamaica. Um, literally just the past sort of, I don't know, or just the past Olympics and a couple of years before that is kind of how long we've been on the international stage. And then since then, there's been so much progression at the grassroots level. And in 2019, they officially opened a national facility. And there's just been a lot of hard work from obviously not only us international competitors, but behind the scenes, um, the Jamaican Amateur Gymnastics Association, and obviously the support of the government and the JOA. Um, but us international competitors are those that hopefully the young gymnasts that are training locally back in Jamaica can see us wearing the flag on our shoulder or on our hip, wherever it happens to be, but wearing the flag and competing at that high level, competing with the best in the world. And they can say, I want to do that one day. So, yeah, I think it's really cool. And then anytime going back there and just seeing the talent, there is a lot of talent in Jamaica. So it's really exciting to think that we're kind of just at the beginning and I'll be the second ever Olympian and hopefully one day when I'm older I'll be able to be watching the Olympics and I'll see Jamaican gymnastics on the podium and kind of know just how far we've come. Yeah, that's it. Um, blazing a trail for the next generation. That's important. Now, um, I've I got to ask, what are some words of advice you'd pass on to young people that want to get into gymnastics? I would say go for it for starters 
I think whether you're going to end up being an elite level gymnast or whether you're just doing it as a hobby is such a great sport because there's just so much to it. Obviously, you've got balance, you've got speed, you've got power, you've got agility, you've got absolutely the all-round athletic ability that's needed. So even if you just do it as a hobby to get fit, but then if you do want to reach that elite level, it's going to take a lot of dedication, a lot of time, a lot of patience. Um, I also would say a big bit of advice would be to work out what your strengths are and kind of stick to those and really hone in on those. Obviously, always working on your weaknesses and making sure you can improve those, but just being smart with your gymnastics and showing off the best parts of what you're good at. Sure. Yeah, that's, that's wise words, no doubt about it. The sign up for the Pro Sports Podcasters weekly newsletter is now live on our website. You can find links to the website in the show notes, but it's pro-sports-podcasters.captivate.fm. Just scroll to the bottom of the page and you'll see the sign up right there. The newsletter begins releasing in August and will be coming out every single week. But for those of you that sign up early in July, there'll be an opportunity to win some of the first PSP swag coming out this fall. So sign up as soon as possible and be one of the first to really support the Pro Sports Podcasters. Tell us a little bit about the idea of positive manifestation, if you don't mind. Yeah, this was something that in college they did speak a lot about it. And I was always that one that was kind of like, yeah, sure, like if you do a vision board, like your dreams are going to come true. Like it just didn't click with me back then. And then as I was gearing up for 2019, where I was going to have the Pan American Championships, which was the first time Jamaican gymnastics was going to have a team and then I was gearing up for my world championship qualifier to the Olympic Games. I just felt like I didn't want to leave anything to chance and I didn't want to have any regrets and I kind of listened to some podcasts, read some books and was like okay a lot of people that have achieved great things believe in positive manifestation so I went for it. I wrote down my goals on a vision board and got really specific. I got really into it um, different colours, yeah, and I every single day I was reading all my goals off my vision board and then as we geared up for the Pan American Games, I thought, let's take this to the next level and I rewrote re those goals out and stuck them on my mirrors in places where I was going to see them more often and um, said them out loud and then when I got to Pan American Championships and I made all those goals a reality, I was like, wow, okay, like obviously it wasn't just down to my vision board, but I did really, really feel like that played a part in my strong belief in my ability to make those goals and dreams come true. Mm -hmm. And so I then going forward into the world championships, the qualifier for the Olympics did the same thing, rewrote the goals and really just that truly, truly helped me to believe in positive manifestation after 2019. And I'll never look back now and I'll never... Um, sort of not believe it again because I wish I'd believed it from an earlier age. Right. And it's about to come to fruition in a couple of weeks when you're over in the land of the rising sun. Yeah. You know, <laughs> wearing the black, sorry, <laughs> I just had a mind blank, wearing the black, <laughs> gold and green. I don't know why that was so hard, but yes, wearing the colors of Jamaica. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> now, just staying on the top of topic of wearing things there have been recent developments in the world of gymnastics particularly on the, the women's side so now athletes will be allowed to wear a full um attire if you will. yes thank you for that so tell us about the importance of that to the sport 
Yeah, so um, little did I know that you actually could wear this this whole time. But I think just where there's just so many traditions in the sport of wearing a leotard that it just wasn't really well known. And uh, it took for the German team to wear them at the European Championships to kind of realise that this was an option. And I think there has been a few people that wore, wore them in the past, but the German gymnasts that wore them are very high profile, well-known gymnasts. So that's the reason why it's kind of been brought to the forefront of everyone's attention. And I think it was such a great thing that they've done because like I didn't know, and I've been in the sport for 22 years. So imagine the people that whatever reason it is they can't or don't want to wear a leotard, that's just put them right off the sport. Mm -hmm. So now knowing and seeing that there's another option, hopefully that enables people, again, like whether it's for cultural, religious or just personal choice options, it's going to enable more women and girls to feel comfortable in the sport and hopefully participate. And like personally, I am comfortable in a leotard, but the key thing here is choice. Mm -hmm. And it's that word that we didn't realise we had the choice. So I think that definitely was an amazing step forward and I'm really, really inspired by the German gymnasts that they were able to kind of show that to the world and now hopefully people that, like I said, who aren't comfortable in a leotard will know that they've got another choice. Yes. And like I said, it will hopefully open up doors for more people to get involved in the sport. Now, you touched on before uh, that you're looking to help inspire the next generation of gymnasts in Jamaica. How can gymnastics grow as a sport, I guess, globally? How can more people get into gymnastics? What, is, what are some of the things that uh, you'd like to see happen, whether it be FIG or just gymnastics at large? That's a good question. And I didn't really have an answer until you said FIG. And that just kind of made me think that it is a brutal sport. And I think an audience sees us in our sparkly leotards and obviously all smiles and obviously when you're really in your best shape um, and that's what people remember gymnastics for but at the core of it I would say it's not like an athlete centered sport from the top down so what I mean by that is that there's some rules that really don't cater to make people that are performing feel they're most comfortable or even feel like they can do their best job on the day. Mm. So I think it would be wonderful to see the FIG make some more steps in that direction just to make it more athlete-centred and about the athletes being able to perform at their best. Mm. Okay. So I think different rules, like there's rules in gymnastics when you're in a individual apparatus final, you don't get a warm-up on the actual equipment. You get oh. a long warm-up in a different gym, but when you come out, you just perform straight away. And so even Simone Biles has said she won't perform her brand new vault if she, well, she said she might not perform her brand new vault in the vault final because of that reason. Um, so it's just a bit dangerous that not mm. having that warm-up and it's, it's an extra two minutes. It's literally a two minute warm-up that they take away for these apparatus finals. So yeah, there's a lot more rules like that that just would help everyone's mental sh um, shape to compete at their best and just, and physical really, because it just makes no sense. And I don't, I don't understand why some of these decisions were made when they, when they were made. Mm. Now you're in a unique position because you've, you competed with, with Team GB, you've competed with UCLA in the US and now you're representing Jamaica. So you've seen three different types of administration. 
do many gymnasts go into the administration side of things when their careers are over, or is it more of a corporate oversight of the the sport? Hmm, that is a good question. Personally, I don't really know many gymnasts that have gone into the into that part of gymnastics. I guess actually I know more gymnasts from college that have gone into college coaching. Mm. And um, as a college coach, you are a bit more administrative than if you just were a coach in elite. And uh, yeah, I do know quite a few gymnasts that have gone into coaching, but not so much into the governing bodies side of it. Mm-hmm. But a lot of the people in governing bodies are, are a lot older, so like, I don't know if they were gymnasts previously or not. <laughs> right. Some of the FIG ones were. Okay. Again, a lot older, like from back in the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, we, we've spoken to a number of different people in, across sports on this show, and I guess I've noticed that mm, the sports that have the most mm, progression seem to be the ones that have former athletes that are involved in the front office or the, the decision-making side of things, particularly when it comes to the women's side. Women's hockey, for example. Yeah. When it was just males running the show, there are things that get missed. There are things that aren't covered. But when they started bringing more women into the boardroom, then, yeah, that's that's when the growth happened. Yeah. And if I was, if you said to me, okay, you get to make as many changes as you want right now to FIG, then I could give you a nice, a nice long list right now. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so I know there's probably a lot of other female athletes that have got a, a list as well. <laughs> yeah. Now, I have to ask, being based in Toronto and with you representing Jamaica, are you a fan of Oxtail? <laughs> this might be a layup question, but i got to ask. <laughs> of course I am. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. And where is the best Oxtail you've had, given that you've been around the world? Oh, that's a good question. Um, it's probably my fiance's um half Jamaican as well, and we went to stay at his family's house in Kingston, and um they made us oxtail, and that was probably the best one I've had. So it was home cooked. So unfortunately, you, I can't give you like a restaurant to go and have some at, but that was that was up there. Yeah, uh, if you're listening and you haven't tried oxtail, you are missing out. <laughs> <laughs> Now, Denisha, before we get you out of here, is there anything that you'd like to share with our listeners? Um, well, I'd just like to say the Olympics has always been my dream and I missed out in 2012 and I missed out in 2016. And if you told my younger self that I would be trying again in 2020 and it was going to get delayed a year, my younger self definitely wouldn't have thought that I would hang in there and be able to make my dream come true. But here I am, so... I hope that can inspire a few people to chase their dreams and don't put yourself on a timeline. Um, there's really no expiry date for your dreams, so go for it. There we have it. Olympic gymnast, Danusha Francis. You can find her on Twitter and Instagram at Danusha Francis. We really appreciate your time today. Thanks for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. No worries. If you have any questions for the Pro Sports Podcasters, be sure to reach us on our Twitter account, where you can also slide into our DMs and catch the latest snippets, dirt, and other exclusive things that we will tweet. Check us out at P Podcasters on Twitter.